This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Each week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Michael Karuchek, who alternates weeks with me, brings you the best in healthcare discussions so that we can arm you with the information that you'll need to fight for your healthcare freedom. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation sponsors this show. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country that's run by actively practicing physicians. So we know patients, we know patient care, we know what works and what doesn't work in healthcare, and we try to give you that information and let you in on the discussions that doctors have every week, every day, in doctors' lounges all across the country. I urge you to go to our website, Docs for Patient Care Foundation, that would be d4pcf.org, docsforpatientcarefoundation.org, and please browse our site. It's current. We are adding to it on a regular basis. Every week new content goes up, sometimes more often than that, and we educate people. We teach them what they need to be looking for and the questions they need to be asking so that they can go back to their legislators, both federally and state, and fight for the ideas that we are putting out there. And we need your help. We need an army of people out there. So please read through the website, familiarize yourself with the issues, and please contribute to our effort it's easy to do. Just click a button and give as much as you feel like you can give because this radio show and the work that we're doing costs money and we really need your help. So please support the Docs for Patient Care Foundation generously and we will continue to do what we do and and, uh, and continue this fight, which uh, today is a pivotal day. And my special guest today is myself because I am taking host prerogative so that I can go ahead and do a, um, a pregame uh, rundown of what is happening in Washington. And there's a lot of dysfunction going on in Washington, folks. I, I really uh, didn't expect anything different, but I will say that uh, healthcare once again has been propelled into the spotlight and everybody is talking about healthcare. Uh, it has sucked out all the oxygen in the room. It's even surpassed Russia talk. It's surpassed all the other nonsense. Everybody's talking about healthcare and today is, is uh, game day. Today is the vote in the House of Representatives on the uh, American Healthcare Act, the AHCA, which uh, we're going to talk about throughout this show, and we're going to go ahead and try to uh, uh, help people with uh, the issues that are, are happening because it's so confusing. But before I do, I'd like to say a few things that I just observations. The first observation is I find that it is just absolutely um, uh, 
it is it is enlightening to watch the Democrats whine about what's going on in Washington. You know, they're saying that how could the uh, the Republicans do what they're doing without uh, the Democrats' input? How can they do something that's so one-sided without any Democrat support? It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds just like 2008, 2009, and 2010 when not one single Republican voted for Obamacare. And not only that, but they did not even consult with any of the then 18 physicians in the House of Representatives who could have given them some insight into health care, but they chose not to do that. The second thing that I find so so, uh, disingenuous is all of the the, uh, basically out-and-out lies about what is happening with this AHCA and what it will mean to patients. This is this is the 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 truth. The truth is that Obamacare is dead. It is dead. There is one out of three counties in the country that have zero to one insurers, and so to say that twenty four million people are going to lose their coverage, like the CBO has come out saying, is an out and out lie. It's a it's a fallacy. It's even though it's the CBO, they've got it all wrong. People aren't going to just lose their coverage. There are going to be alternatives for them to get their coverage. So this is just this is just hyperbole. But from the left, we're hearing that all the good things from Obamacare are going to be um, are going to be taken away. Well, honestly, there are no good things in Obamacare. Now there are some politically. Um, correct politically expedient things like keeping kids on your insurance until you're 20 until they're 26 it sounds very touchy-feely and very good but in fact what that has done is destroyed the individual insurance market for young healthy individuals who got insurance for pennies before for catastrophic care and so without that group of people in the marketplace that that uh, that product has has all but disappeared, and there's little incentive to recreate it. But but um, hopefully that will be coming back. Um, the uh, the other thing that they they love to say is that people are going to lose their coverage when Medicaid goes away. Oh my gosh! First of all, I am a, a, a full time practicing pediatric urologist, and 50% of the patients that I treat are on Medicaid. And why? Because there's nobody in my state except for my group, my partners and I, who will see these children. And so we we really have a moral obligation. We just have to see them because nobody will. So I'm pretty familiar with Medicaid. It is the the specialty care that these patients will get is often terrific but they get no primary care there's nobody who will see these people and so they rely on emergency rooms urgent care centers places where they don't get regular care and the way to get into these places is just absolutely mind-boggling and so you know they, they um it's it's just really hard for 
for me to uh, get behind any of these positions on the on the left saying that gosh isn't it terrible that medicaid is going to be taken away from these individuals who now for the first time have insurance well you know what all they have is a card they don't have insurance they don't have health care and we'll get more into that throughout the show the um today you know we we are going to see um, the culmination of sausage making. You know, it's been ugly. Nobody um, really uh, uh, understands how laws are made in this country. This is this is um, democracy in action. This is how how things work in a free society. But usually, nobody's paying attention to this. It's behind the scenes. And so all the ugliness involved in what's going on in the creation of legislation is being played out right before our very eyes. And the, um, the um, uh, propaganda arm of the, of the left, the mainstream media, is delighting in showing the dysfunction of making legislation, of groups getting together and and uh, bargaining and making deals, and uh, the president, President Trump, has had uh, has had people in the White House, and he's done more in uh, in just weeks talking to people in Congress than Obama did in eight years when he didn't meet with anybody in Congress. So, um, so they're trying hard to make this uh, work and to get this to the finish line. So today what I wanted to do is I wanted to give everybody an understanding of what's going on so that as the day unfolds, they understand the events and and the whys and the what-fors of of this uh, law and what uh, the reasons are and what the next steps are. Um, So before I I, uh, begin, I'm going to borrow from a piece from my good friend um, Michael Hamilton from the uh, uh, Heartland uh, Institute. Michael's been on this show uh, before. Michael is the editor of the Healthcare News and is uh, probably one of the more plugged-in people with um, this issue and healthcare issues in this country. And Michael had a, a terrific piece in Red State, which was a pregame review for House Vote on American Health Care Act. And so what I'd like to do is just kind of uh, use his piece as a template to give people an understanding of the key issues about what is going to happen today. And so, first of all, um, the, what's happening with this vote Look, I want I want you to understand that that I wish that we had a better bill that was being voted for in the House. Um, and does it have everything that I want? No. Does it have some stuff that I want? Yes. I'm not happy that the special interests still make out really well. The insurance companies make out really well. The hospitals got a concession in there. There were um, there were things that were left out that that I wish could have been in there. But let me explain why this is the way it is. Um, there is um, 
there are diverse opinions in Congress about what what should be in this law. One thing that I hear every single day is, well, why don't we just uh, have them vote on a repeal bill, just like they did last time, and it passed and went to the president's desk. Well, the answer to that question is quite simple. Last time that this passed in the last Congress, there were there was absolutely zero chance of this bill getting signed by the president. So there were really no consequences. So people didn't uh, care about voting um, against the bill. They said, sure, we'll vote for repeal of Obamacare. And uh, they voted for it. It passed. It went to President Obama. And he, he vetoed it as expected. Well, that's not the case now. Any bill that gets passed is going to go to President Trump, and he will sign it. So the the bill um, is... is uh, uh, not going to pass a bill that will pass. Okay, let me let me get this out there as well. So there are two ways of passing a bill. One way is to write a new bill that repeals Obamacare that has all the provisions that everybody wants to see. Everything, free market stuff, getting rid of every Obamacare um, mandate, every Obamacare. Every, every scrap of Obamacare and implementing new, new ideas in health care. That would be great. If we were starting over from scratch, that would work, provided that there was a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. And I'm going to explain what that is in the next segment and go through the politics of this when we get back into the doctor's lounge. Stay with us. Join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. We are giving a pregame summary of today's goings-on in Washington with the uh, 
the vote on uh, the American Health Care Act. So when we got to break, we were talking about what's possible. You know, politics is is the art of what is possible, not what is perfect. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing what's possible. So a bill can be passed in the Senate if they get enough votes to prevent a filibuster. A filibuster means that they that the um, the there can be um, discussions. There can be um, the the bill will um, be. Uh, uh, discussed on the floor and will not come to a vote unless there are 60 votes that uh, say that they can uh, stop discussion and bring it to a vote. And at that point, they can get to a majority, and a majority will pass it. But to get to that point, they need 60 votes to stop the discussion on the floor of the Senate. And so what the House is trying to do is to create a bill that will be able to not have to go through that procedure where they can filibuster it. There's another way of getting a bill passed, and this is um, called reconciliation. And reconciliation means that if there is um, a, a law or if, if there's legislation that is in, that's tied to fiscal issues only, and and they have some, they have somebody in the Senate called the parliamentarian who is responsible for looking at this and deciding on whether or not a bill meets that standard. If it does, then they don't have to um, have a filibuster-proof majority. They could just bring it right to a vote. They don't have to go through the debate process on on the floor. The majority leader, leader in the Senate can say, okay, we're going to vote on this bill now, and it goes. And so that's what you're hearing about the filibuster-proof stuff and you know what this bill can and cannot have in it. So it can't have any new regulations in it or any new laws in it that don't pertain to the fiscal stuff because the Democrats are voting as a block and you won't get one Democrat to vote for it and it'll go down in flames. So that's why this is being put together the way it is. The second part is the politics of all this. The There are different blocks in the House of Representatives. You've got the Freedom Caucus, you've got the Tuesday Morning Group, you've got all these different groups and you, each one of them have their own thing that they are interested in, that they want to see, their own principles. And this is where the deal-making comes in. And so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make concessions. There was something called a manager's amendment um, in the last couple of days where they made some changes in the Medicaid laws so that the governors would be able to uh, tie Medicaid to a work requirement like they did in the uh, several Congresses ago, or actually years ago, with the welfare reform. So this is the art of sausage making, and we um, uh, are are seeing this play out. Now I will tell you that uh, the the Republicans own health care right now, whether they like it or not, and I'll tell you why. It's because 
Obamacare is dead. The premiums are going through the roof. They're already up 25%. Insurers are pulling out. There are no alternatives. If people are or if it becomes a, a crisis situation, people are going to be looking at the Republicans and saying, what are you, what are you guys doing for us? We're dying here. You've got to, you've got to do something. And this is much like what Obama complained about when he inherited the, the uh, fiscal crisis from George Bush, except that he had a media that was sympathetic and, and kept, uh, uh, kept on his side, but that's not going to happen this time. And so the Republicans can't allow that to happen. It's not the right thing, and it's the wrong thing politically. So they can't do nothing because that's irresponsible. So they've got to do something. And so they've whatever they're going to do, it's going to get demagogued. It's going to get blamed. If anything goes wrong, they're going to be responsible. And so that's that's you know just just the the world that we live in right now so what what does this law actually have in it that that uh is good and and i'll tell you what what uh is is good about this what's good about it is that it is the first time in a in generations generations that two entitlement programs are being eliminated. We're eliminating Obamacare because there's no question that's an entitlement program. And number two, we're eliminating, they are eliminating Medicaid as we know it as a federal entitlement program. What this law does, it turns Medicaid over to the states in block grants and the states can figure out how they are going to manage that population of people because every state is different. New York is different than Texas. California is different than Vermont or Florida. So every every governor should have the the opportunity to manage their own states as they see fit. Um, the second thing that this law does, it reduces the growth of government-run health care. And it puts back some control into the hands of individuals. And that's something that Obamacare was the complete opposite at. It increases individual liberty. People can actually start to make choices. And all of these things are being fought tooth and nail by the left and by the media. Why? Because these reforms will take us further away from liberal, from leftist nirvana, which is a single-payer health care. That has been and always will be the goal of progressives. Now, people are looking at this and they're saying, well, this isn't going far enough, or this is, this is a process that uh, just won't work. Well, to that I say, you cannot undo 50 years of healthcare dysfunction in one bill or in a few months of GOP leadership. This all started, some people think it started in 1947 with the uh, employer tax treatment of 
health care benefits. But the reality is that it started in earnest with the passage of Medicare. And that was the camel's nose under the tent. And it got worse and worse and worse with more and more government regulation and intrusion into health care. So for anyone to think that there was going to be one bill that's going to fix this problem, get rid of it, and we could uh, now have a a conservative dream come true is 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 living in a fantasy. This bill is a three-pronged approach. It's the beginning of taking back health care from the federal government. And I truly believe that. I'm an optimist by nature. I'm an optimist because I'm a doctor. I'm an optimist because I do this radio show every other week and talk about health care and what's possible and what can be. And so if I was not optimistic, I would be playing golf three times a week and not spending all my waking hours looking at health care. There is hope. But I think that you have to understand that it needs to be fought for, and it is not something that's going to be achieved with just one law. What this bill will do, it will it will make the initial changes that are necessary to um, gut much of what is happening fiscally in Obamacare and bring it to its knees so that there can be other changes that Follow the the second prong will be many of those changes which the secretary of HHS Tom Price will be able to institute. Now Tom Price happens to be a friend of mine. Tom Price happens to have been there the day that we launched Docs for Patient Care in my office and was instrumental in urging doctors to support our organization, the fledgling organization that we were back then. And so I I really um, owe him a lot and I believe in him, but I do not carry his water and I tell and I disagree I tell him when I disagree with him. But Tom Price is a conservative, he's a doctor, he is a policymaker, and nobody in Washington knows healthcare better than he does. He was the right man for this job. There's nobody who could have done a better job than Tom Price as the secretary of HHS. So for the first time in many, many years, we have a physician who cares about patients, who understands what's possible, and who can fix things if he's given the opportunity and, and, the, um, and the support to do this. And so this law passing gives him the opportunity to start doing the things that the Secretary of HHS has been empowered to do under Obamacare. So that's a reason that I don't like it, but it's a reason to keep Obamacare because Obamacare said that the Secretary of HHS can do 1,400 different things. That's how many times it says the Secretary shall or the Secretary can in that law. Well, you know what? when we had Kathleen Sebelius there, that absolutely petrified me. But now that we have Tom Price as the Secretary of HHS, I'm encouraged that the Secretary can and shall do the things that are necessary to bring health care back to the individuals, to the states, take it away from the federal government as it should be. And then the third part of this, the third prong approach, which people aren't even seeing because they 
first of all, don't know. Second of all, they're focused on what's going on. And third, they're believing everything that they listen to on on the radio and TV or read about in the newspapers. But the third approach is to pass new legislation that that is that's going to be attached to must have legislation. Let that sink in for a second. We're going to be going to a break in a minute, but let that sink in when I go to the break. Attach new legislation to must have legislation. The Democrats have lots of things that they want, like the renewal of the chip program, the low the the children's health care program. Well, if they want that to survive, they're going to have to vote for some other issues, some other items that need to be passed to bring back health care. And that's something that uh, I am absolutely certain Donald Trump, as the, as the negotiator, the art of the deal, will be able to make happen. So stay with us and we'll get into more detail of what's happening today in, on the Hill in health care. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me on Wednesday mornings from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock when we talk about more than medicine. It's now about staying healthy, but it's about the strategy to do so. Join me on Medicine on Call. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. Uh, We are talking today about the goings-on in Washington today. Today is is, uh, D-Day or V-Day, vote day on on, uh, Capitol Hill with the uh, House voting on on the American Health Care Act. Um, I was talking off air with our producer, David Moxley, and I just wanted to remind everybody about what President Trump said. Who ever thought that health care was so complicated? Well, you know what? There are a lot of people who thought it was complicated. If you've been listening to this show for the last few years, you knew that health care was complicated. And um, anybody who expected this to get fixed right away was um, just you know not well informed because because this is this is going to be 
It has been, it will continue to be the fight of a lifetime, getting back health care, because you've got two competing forces. You've got the forces that believe that the government should control your health care, and they're going to do everything that they can do to try to get to that point with, with a single payer and Washington making all the decisions. Fortunately, we didn't get four more years of that. Or the forces that believe that health care is a personal event between you and your doctor and that nobody should come between that that um, really sacred relationship and tell you what you should have shouldn't have and um, and so that's that's really that's really critical and that's where we're at right now um, let me just go through a few things about what's what's this bill does, and then I'm going to tell you what it doesn't do, and and I'll and we'll end the show on on that. So what this bill does is that it it um, retains well, what it does is it it gets rid of um, most of the Obamacare credits right away, it uh, Obamacare taxes right away. It gets rid of the medical device tax. It gets rid of the tax on insurers. It gets rid of the tanning bed tax, um, the Medicare tax. The Cadillac tax is still there, but it sunsets it. And so this is, you know, the Cadillac tax is the tax on the very rich um, insurance plans that many unions have negotiated with employers. Um, they, uh, that, that, uh, that those plans are are expensive and those plans um, discourage people from taking more responsibility. They encourage more use of health care resources. And so that's that's something we want to get away with. Um, what it does, what the law does, it actually increases the amount of money that uh, people can put into their HSAs. Um, Paul Ryan had a piece in the Wall Street Journal today, which was I, I, I commend to everybody listening, which is basically saying that he's keeping the promise to repeal Obamacare. And what he's saying in there is that uh, that the the uh, it, it's not easy to govern, and that that's what uh, that's what this is all about. It's about the Republicans governing, and um, what this bill will do, it will do. Um, four major things. It turns Medicaid back to the states um, in in uh, the form of uh, block grants, and it gives the governors more ability to uh, to decide how each state's Medicare Medicaid program is going to uh, is going to be structured. Um, the second thing that this this uh, uh, law does it creates what's called a stability fund. Um, the stability fund. Is um, is a fund that is uh, uh, put in place um, for the high risk and the um, and the uh, chronic care, the expensive care. Right now, the the um, way that the risk is being is being distributed is that um, because there is n- no longer pre-existing conditions. That means that there's guaranteed issue of insurance. So when you 
don't allow insurance companies to underwrite, which means look at a patient, figure out their risks there, how sick they are, and be able to adjust a premium based on that. That's called guaranteed issue. So when you have guaranteed issue, then the only way that they can, the insurance companies can um, charge differently for for patients is by age, and that's what Obamacare did. And it basically made um, the ratio three to one, which meant that a young patient could only be charged one-third the a premium of a elderly or not an elderly elderly would certainly would be Medicare, but somebody who is under sixty four, and who or somebody who might be sick, and so what the insurance companies did they didn't actually slash the insurance premium for the older sick people um, and make it three times the healthy people. Instead, they brought the healthy people up to be one-third of the sick people. So there's a big difference between those two. The rates didn't come down to, a th- to, to three times that of the, of the healthy people. The rates for the healthy people went up to reflect one-third that of the sick or older people. What this law does, it, it creates a bigger ratio of five to one. And so that ratio means that there will be greater flexibility. Now, I have to say that I don't trust insurance companies, and I'm not sure whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. The GOP leadership is trying to say that this is a good thing, but this is one of those areas, again, where I say that the insurance companies are making out like the house in Las Vegas does. You know, they don't lose. So regardless of where where we get to, um, they make out. But um, but uh, Speaker Ryan further goes on to say that the legislation expands health savings accounts, which they do, and it doubles the nearly doubles the allowable contributions to HSAs, and that's what we want to see. We want to see people more in control of their of their uh, uh, own um, uh, health care money, so that they can use it for for. Uh, you know the the things that uh, that that need to be paid for, and uh, do this in a uh, tax uh, using the tax structure to create uh, those those opportunities for individuals. And so, speaking of the tax structure, right now the way things stand, the only um, the only uh, groups that get favorable tax consideration with healthcare dollars are employers who can use those dollars and deduct it. And so that's that's what this whole debate has always centered about, the unequal tax treatment of healthcare benefits, how the employer gets to uh, get a tax deduction and employees get a tax-free um, event, um, their healthcare, while small businesses who are operating their own health care plan, they're paying for their own health care, or people who don't have a business who are on the individual market paying for their own health care don't get those tax breaks. Well, this law allows that to happen, and it allows it to happen by 
um, giving people under $75,000 a year refundable tax credits that they will be able to use to to pay for a health insurance plan that they choose themselves, not a, a plan that Washington chooses for them. And so they will be able to start um, shopping on the individual market for health care plans. And what um, this bill does, it will, um, it will uh, allow that to happen by removing the federal mandates on essential minimum benefits for insurance. Now, it will not eliminate those benefits at the state level. That always has been a problem. Even before Obamacare, that was a problem where state insurance commissioners pandered to special interests to get those um, those services put into a package that insurers needed to offer in those states in order for them to be able to sell their insurance in that particular state. In some states, there were a lot of minimum benefits. The average number of essential benefits in states prior to Obamacare was 22 or 24. So that's something, again, that needs to be worked at, but that's a state thing now, and getting it out of the federal government is the first step, and then you work on, on the states. Um, the um, This law still retains pre-existing conditions, and so so uh, there's still guaranteed issue, but I, I got through saying before that there was a, uh, um, a, a provision in there in the uh, in in this law that uh, that allows for there to be um, it it basically spreads out the risk so that the stability fund that was created is is a fund that um, that gives a a bucket of money it's actually a hundred billion dollars over. Um, over 10 years. And this stability fund, it gives states the opportunity to repair the individual insurance markets by reestablishing the high-risk pools that they had that prevailed before Obamacare. Before Obamacare, there were 35 states that had high-risk pools. And that meant that the the very, very sick people could go to this pool, and that risk was not spread out among everybody. Well, Obamacare got rid of that. Obamacare created guaranteed issue, which I explained a few minutes ago. That meant insurance companies needed to issue insurance to everybody, regardless of how sick they were. And so how did they, how did they manage that? By raising all the rates, just like I told you before, the three-to-one ratio. They raised everything to be able to account for that increased risk that Obamacare made them take on. The stability fund takes those people out of that pool, and now you're left with healthier people who don't have those sick, um, uh, those, those very high risk or very costly conditions. And so the, the pool being healthier results in the rates for the insurance to come down. And that's and that's what this was all about. Um, 
And so the stability fund is very, very important. And uh, um, la- last week, um, um, there's there, there's also um, other provisions in this law that allow for um, innovation waivers for the states. And Secretary Price last week invited governors to apply for these. And under Obamacare, only the liberal states that wanted to put programs in that were single-payer programs or that were fulfilling the liberal agenda got these waivers. Well, Secretary Price is changing that, and pretty much any state can do what they want um, if that's what's right for their state and that's what the governor wants. So in the last segment, I'm going to tell you what's missing and uh, what I would like to see and where I hope this will all go when we come back. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're in the last segment of the Doctor's Lounge today talking about this very confusing American Health Care Act and um, and, health care in general, which is not easy. This is just one of the more difficult subjects in our country. Most people don't understand it, even those who are doing it every day have a hard time really understanding what's what uh, what is in it and what this law is all about. Um, and as opposed to uh, Nancy Pelosi, who said we have to pass the bill to find out what's in it, I think that we're learning what's in it before we pass the bill, and, and in many cases it's met a lot of resistance. A couple of things I'd like to just tell you about this bill before I tell you what's not in this bill. Um, One of the things that this law does or this bill does, it will cap Medicaid spending. And so this is going to uh, um, actually encourage states to spend their money 
more wisely than they currently do. And so, uh, you know, no longer will states get get uh, unlimited uh, um, uh, matching funds. There will be a cap on the Medicaid spending. And, um, and states that did not expand their Medicaid, they will get a safety net uh, increased funds for a short period of time for their safety net population under uh, uh, this uh, um, stability fund that I explained in the last segment. Um, the other thing that uh, this law does, it repeals the individual mandate and the tax penalty, but it does replace it with a requirement that uh, insurers can charge 30% more for patients who experienced a, lap, la- a lapse in their uh, health care coverage. So the tax actually becomes a premium penalty. And again, this is wh- where I, I have a little bit of a problem because the insurance companies, you know, just just always come out on top no matter what, what uh, we are doing and no matter who is creating this system. And so what I think needs to happen and basically the the thought that so many doctors share is that we need to get away from insurance entirely and neuter the insurance companies and the other special interests in healthcare who are still coming out pretty, pretty sweet even with this. And that's my hope. That is what drives me because I'm still hopeful that that will happen. Um, One thing that nobody has talked about that we've said on this show over and over again is that this whole debate is centered entirely on health care insurance and on coverage, not on health care. Health care insurance does not equal health care. And that's something that I would like to see the GOP spend time educating the American public about after this initial stuff gets done because the the uh the 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 people right now have become so conditioned to insurance covering everything insurance being a prepaid health care plan that they don't understand health care freedom anymore there there are very few americans living today who um who are old enough to um, remember when people were in charge of their own health care insurance, their own health care. They paid for the services that they received. They had uh, uh, they the insurance was an adjunct to pay for services that they've already paid for that they would be able to file claims. And use, but we've gotten away from that, and it's it's marched further and further and further away from individual responsibility and from um, control over healthcare to letting the third party dictate what people can have and what they can't have and what they'll pay for and what they won't pay for. Part of the problem is that. The, all of the bureaucracy and all of the red tape and everything that has gotten in between the patient and the person delivering the care has made those costs go up so much. Not only that, but 
care has been driven into the more expensive places in the healthcare delivery system to administer it. And we've talked about this all the time on this show over and over again. Now 65% of doctors work for hospitals where the costs are are five or ten times as much as they would be outside of the hospital. And so what I would like to see in a health care reform bill are measures that actually help to lower the cost of health care because it is, a, a, I think, a dream, a fantasy. It is unicorns and rainbows and leprechauns to believe that what this law is is um, uh, going to do is lower the cost of health care. Health care, the biggest driver of, of health care insurance, is the actual cost of the health care itself. And until you get rid of the regulatory state, the red tape, all of the nonsense that is driving costs up, the insurance costs can never come down enough to make a difference. And so the ways that you bring health care down, health care costs down, sorry, is by making it less expensive to deliver. And you do that by deregulating health care. The first thing that needs to be done is to promote direct primary care. And President Trump started talking about this. Sean Hannity is talking about this. He has Josh Umber on his show numerous times talking about direct primary care. We need to be talking about this more often, more regularly, and making people understand that they don't need health care insurance to get health care. They only need a doctor to get health care, and they can pay for a doctor out of their own pocket without breaking the bank using the direct primary care model. This legislation already exists. It's um, uh, HB, uh, I think it is 365. Um, It is uh, the Primary Care Act. Um, it can be put into into practice. This is I'm hoping a law that can be put in the in that that third prong um, of laws that must be you know that must haves putting legislation in and tying it to that because if they can do that and get the federal government to recognize this is a delivery model, not a risk-bearing entity and allow people to pay for it with their health savings accounts, that will account for 80% of health care and it will drive costs down. The insurance companies are fighting this. The hospitals, to some extent, are fighting it. Those are the special interests that need to be taken on. They've got to remove all of the red tape from the, the Affordable Care Act that can't be taken out through reconciliation, like doctors owning surgery centers that take Medicare. You know, that law prohibited the construction of new surgery centers. That needs to be eliminated. The IPAB needs to be eliminated. Accountable care organizations where the care is being favored to be driven into the hospitals because through the erroneous um, uh, notion that the care is delivered in a more coordinated and better fashion in the hospital. That needs to be eliminated. This is the red tape. 
and the regulations that need to be eliminated so that healthcare can be less expensive to deliver and it can be better. Um, there are laws on the books, the Stark laws. Stark laws are laws that were passed back in the early 90s and um, I think actually in the 80s they started. Um, Pete Stark, California congressman, um, hated doctors. He was a frustrated wannabe. He was a pharmacist who couldn't get into medical school. He had an axe to grind. He took on the doctors. He had an, uh, his, his role, his goal was to keep doctors from succeeding and, uh, and doing well. So he put in legislation, he introduced legislation that prohibited doctors from um, referring patients to facilities that they had an interest in. So, you know, there were, um, uh, you know, it's okay for the hospitals to run a business and do this kind of stuff, but doctors can't do it. And it's it's hidden under the guise of nonprofits, non for profit, which is what hospitals are. But the uh, but that's something that is is a uh, a myth that we've talked about on this show before. That the hospitals are now the power broker in the healthcare uh, delivery system. So so that needs to be eliminated. Um, the um, the laws that have been um, that have been implemented, um, like um, well, this this is going to be way too much to get into. But there are laws that were implemented that uh, that are again tying the hands, handcuffing the people who want to create um, enterprises in this country to actually make healthcare better and lower costs, and they're being prevented from doing so. So um, I'd like to see more in this law. But if I had to uh, give an endorsement, it would be to vote for this uh, bill. I hope that that the House of Representatives votes for this bill, passes the American Health Care Act, and brings it to the Senate where changes can be made, additions can be added, and the bill can be strengthened. And um, I'd like to, uh, you know, be back on the air in a couple weeks telling you this, that the bill passed and we're on the road to uh, to major changes in health care. So stay tuned and uh, watch Washington. Thanks for being with us today. And I look forward to being back with you here on the air in two weeks. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.